0: Good morning, this morning scripture comes from 1st Peter 1 verses 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Beloved it is wonderful to see all of you this morning we appreciate everybody for being here visitors you are our honored guest and we're grateful you're here appreciate it so very much beloved um let me do a little in-house thing very quickly and and we'll get right into our lesson this morning um some of y'all know that um I uh, preached the uh funeral yesterday of my cousin who had been born here in Valdosta but lived in Rome Georgia most of his life and um, had a, a stroke and a brain aneurysm at the age of 66. He was 10 months older than I am um, and passed away. I preached a lot of funerals for my family members. He was my first cousin that I preached a funeral for. He was buried here in Vodosta at Sunset Hill Cemetery. Um, I've got a cousin named Dean Green that um, I had been discussing with some time about being baptized. He, he knew he needed to do that. He just had never done it yet and so um, I was encouraging to do that and uh, as a result of our cousin passing very suddenly and at a a relatively young age um, it kind of got his attention and that's what it was that caused him to go ahead and but decide to be baptized into Christ and so uh, I was blessed Friday uh, to do that here in this baptistry, so I just want to let y'all know in that sharing that because it was done here in uh, In in the church here, and so um, and 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 some of y'all had knew that about that had been praying for him And I appreciate that as well Beloved, um, I, I want to Ask you a question. Okay. Have have you ever fallen for a scam? Okay, now I know I have okay Not with a, a times here, you know, but hey you know, there, there's, there's some slick people out there. And and they can really get you, man. And 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 they can convince you that this is just something you can't live without, or it's a get quick, uh, get get rich quick kind of thing, you know. And 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 all these things. And and I'm sure that at one point in our life, every one of us have fall, probably fallen to some kind of a scam like that, you know. People promising you the moon, and then they get what they want and take off, and it's gone. Um, I. Uh, uh, when Kathy and I was in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, there was a thing there that was on the news. Uh, this older couple, these these men come around, look very qualified and everything, and. and and did a free inspection of their roof and and found tons of stuff wrong with their roof and rot and all kind of stuff that was going to need to be repaired, and it was going to cost a bunch of money and and extensive repairs. And and they talked the couple into giving them the money up front, and, of course, they never returned. Uh, It took a large portion of their retirement income. The older gentleman was so distraught over it that he actually suffered a heart attack and died. And you say, well, that's terrible, and that's wicked. And it is. It is. But brethren, there may be some here today, and we, and we all do know folks like this out in the world, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, our family members, who are victims right now of a very much larger scam. And the salesman is Satan. And he takes your life and your soul, promises you the moon, promises you the world and delivers only death and destruction and the thing is brethren is there's a whole lot of people that gladly sell their souls to him today's lesson the going price of a soul from mark chapter 8 jesus asked some very piercing questions that i want us to look at this morning in mark uh, Mark chapter 8, okay? And, I, and we're all going to have to answer these questions, brothers and sisters. And, um, and hopefully, sooner than later, because there will come a time when it's going to be too late to do anything about this. But Jesus says this in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. Um, if you're there, turn there with me, okay? In Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 34. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Beloved, it costs to follow Jesus. We need to understand that. We don't need to sugarcoat that. There's too many people in this world right now who have this feel-good gospel that if I come to Jesus, everything will be wonderful, and and, and it will be at my convenience and no sacrifice, and nothing could be further from the truth. That's another part of, those, of the scam that the devil pours on people because he don't mind you following Jesus, so to speak, as long as he knows you're doing it wrong and you're not going to be right with him. And so we need to be very careful about that. Jesus is demanding. If anyone wishes to come out to me, he, gotta, he says he must deny himself, self-denial, take up your cross, and follow me. And this is why it says in verse 35, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. Verse 36, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man also will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. Beloved, I want us to answer those two questions this morning. I want to answer the second one first, okay? Where Jesus says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In all of my years of preaching, in all my years of being in the ministry and trying to bring people to Christ, you know what I have found out, Uh, the, the answer to that? is very little. It amazes me how little that Satan is able to bargain for people's soul. They sell out cheap. What's the going price for a soul? Very little where Satan is concerned. Beloved old Satan gets some uh, bargain, basement, yard sale type deals, doesn't he? Even more astonishing to me is that Christians after experiencing salvation and God's grace and love and mercy and his many blessings are willing to throw it all away for so very little. It, my brother, I'm, I mean little. I have seen people leave the Lord and his church over a disagreement with a brother or sister in Christ or someone gets upset with somebody else or over some relationship that's not exactly right and the way it needs to be. There's others that leave for uh, pleasure, right, for selfishness. Others, it's just complacency. They just get what Jesus calls lukewarm, and and they allow that to cause them to lose their soul. We will sell very often, brethren, and I've seen this, and you have too, people that are Christians will sell the pearl of great price for a pig pen. And there's no sense in that at all. Jesus says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? A lot of things, right, brethren? And the the devil gets a bargain. In our society, as Ken mentioned a little bit ago, we like stuff. And our material possession. There are folk that allow money and riches to get in the way. Jesus didn't talk about the seed and the sower. Said that one of the things that caused people to be choked as a Christian and bring no fruit to to perfection is the cares and worries and the and the the money or mammon or material things of this world. And brethren, we see this in Matthew 19, beginning in verse 16, the rich young ruler, as he was called, and he thought he'd done everything he was supposed to do, and he asked Jesus what he needed to do to get in eternal life, and Jesus told him, and he said, oh, I've done all that. And then he said, what else do I need to do? And Jesus, knowing the man's heart and knowing where his heart really was and where his treasures were, he said, you go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you come follow me, and you will have treasures in heaven. How valuable is that? And the Bible said that young man went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. A lot of people allow that to get in the world, brothers and sisters. You know, in our society, the idea is that, as they say, the T-shirt, you say he who has the most toys wins, you know, and he who has the most toys still dies, brethren. You know, I, I was watching a National Geographic thing one time, and uh, it was in Africa, I think, is, is where monkeys were very popular, and the people there, the natives there, would hunt the monkeys and and, and they would eat them. And I thought, okay, the way they're going to get these monkeys is by shooting them out of a tree, or setting a trap in a tree, or or, or uh, maybe shooting them with bow and arrow or whatever, you know, some some way. And they didn't do that at all. All they did was they grew these big, large, green gourds that were very heavy. And they would take a green gourd out where the monkeys were in the trees and everything. And they would, they would drill a hole, cut a hole in that, in that gourd just large enough for the monkey to put his arm in. And they would put some shiny object that they found. Perhaps a rock, a piece of, whatever it was. But it was real shiny. And the monkeys, of course, being curious, would come down. And they'd look in that hole. And they'd see that shiny object. And they'd say, i got to have that. They'd say it in monkey language, of course. But <clears throat> i got to have that. And they'd reach their hand down in there, and they'd make a fist around that shiny object. And then the natives would start running after him, hollering and screaming with sticks, and the monkey would panic, and he could all he had to do, brethren, was let go of that shiny object, pull his hand out, and skimmy up the tree, and he would have been saved. But he didn't do that. He refused to let go of the shiny object. And it cost him his life. And later on, he was served as monkey stew. Why? Because he refused to let go of something to save his life. And we say, well, that's silly of that monkey to do that. It sure is. How much more silly or how much more tragic is it for human beings to sell their soul for whatever that shiny object is? We do that, brethren, and we need to be very, very careful about that. Others allow power and fame and popularity and position and their status, their worldly status. That's what they'll allow to change, to, to give in exchange for their soul. Where some focus a job promotion or admiration of worldly friends, you know. John 12:42 and 43 talked about these, the people that believed in Jesus. But listen to what it says. Many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, other people, people in a high position. They were not confessing him for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Now listen, brethren, for they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. These people, they sold their souls out for worldly admiration. I have never understood why Christians are so concerned about what lost people in the world think of us. That's been a, a, a mystery to me, brothers and sisters. The approval of men rather than the approval of God. People would sell their soul for real cheap. We know relationships is one of those things, and the Bible talks about that. People get involved in a relic- illicit, ungodly relationship, and they say, "Oh, I just can't live without this person or that person." You know, and I've, I've had people tell me, "Well, I can't become a Christian because of family or because of friends. Why they wouldn't have anything to do with me, and they'd excommunicate me, and 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 more. Oh, I, I just don't want to give that up." You know, I've heard, heard had other people say, uh, "My mate's not a Christian, so I can't be either." I d- Got a call one time in Augusta, Georgia. person called me out of the blue. He said, uh, sir, uh, my mom is in the hospital. The doctor said she has literally anywhere from minutes to a couple of hours she's going to die, and we need somebody to preach a funeral. And I said, I'm assuming because you're calling a complete stranger to do that that has never met your mom that she was not a church-going person. He said, nope. He said, when uh, my mom and daddy got married years ago, my mom was a member of the church Christ. my daddy was a Catholic. And they never could agree religiously, so they decided that they wouldn't go anywhere. He said, I've got, uh, beside myself, three other siblings, and we've never stepped into a church building in our entire life. Willing to give up their soul. So I preached that lady's funeral, and it was a sad, sad situation. Beloved... People say sometimes, well, I just, the people I work with, Brother Green, it's so worldly there, and, you know, the people I go to school with, you know, they aren't Christians, and and, and they just drag me down, and and, and I just can't be a Christian, you know, Uh, and I, I, I wonder, brothers and sisters, who are you willing to go to hell for? You know, somebody said, well, my husband, and I've heard this a lot, my husband is a Christian, is not a Christian, so in order to keep peace, I, I just stay home with him. Beloved, how peaceful is hell? Just because a loved one insists on being lost don't mean we should follow them. What will a man give in exchange for his soul, Jesus asked. When that sweet chariot swings low, brothers and sisters, we better be ready to jump on it. The Bible says pleasures of this world. John talks about the things of the world. says the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye. And, buddy, we have that because we live in a hedonistic society. Not a heathenistic, although it is becoming more of that. A hedonistic society, which means the doctrine of that pleasure is the principal good and should be the aim of or action of our entire life, okay? We have things that says that. If it feels good, do it, right? Look out for number one. You only go around once in life, so grab all the gusto you can, you know, do what I want to do, when I want to do with, whoever I want to do it with. My, my, my principal aim is pleasure. Whatever brings me pleasure, that's what I want to do. Well, brothers and sisters, we see Moses who had that opportunity to do that, right? It's Hebrews eleven twenty-four 24 through 26, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Brethren, we need to understand the implications of that. Many scholars believe he would have been the next Pharaoh in the most richest, most powerful nation of the world at that time. He had all the pleasure he wanted he could have had. But instead, what did he do? Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproaches of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt, right? For he was looking to the reward. Beloved, that's the attitude, right? That's the attitude. There's pleasures are for but a season. They're passing. They're just for a little while. Beloved, let me ask you, what will you give in exchange for your soul? What have many people done? What have many people given in exchange for their soul? And then the second question Jesus had, or the first one that he asked, we're going to deal with it. Second, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or forfeit is the literal Greek, forfeit his soul. There's one thing to accidentally lose something. There's a completely other to absolutely give it up on your own willingly. That's to forfeit something. And what does it profit? See, then the Greek, this is what's considered one of those redundant questions, which means we know what it profits. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You lose. You cannot win. It cannot profit for you to exchange the eternal for the temporary. Beloved, a couple of minutes in hell, and we'd give anything and do anything in order to be saved. We see that with the rich man and Lazarus, beginning with Luke sixteen, or in Luke 16, beginning in verse 19 and following. You know the story. And the rich man in Hades lift up his eyes and torment in the flame, he said. And so, such a desperate situation. And he would have given his all to be where Lazarus was. In Abraham's bosom. But it was too late. In verse 25, when he makes his request, you know. And, and uh, he says in verse 25, Abraham, uh, or Lazarus says to him. Or, or Father Abraham, I'm sorry. Says, Remember. Remember. Your life. And how he must have remembered that he had thousands of opportunities during his lifetime. Every day he woke up, he had the opportunity to get right with the Lord. And he didn't do so. Beloved, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet to forfeit his soul? It doesn't profit anything at all. Listen, some witnesses from the grave. Let me read you the deathbed confessions of some people that were very famous at one time. Thomas Hobbes died in 1679. He was a champion of agnostics and skeptics. This were some of his last words. I say again, if I had the whole world at my disposal, I would give it to live one more day. Voltaire, in 1778, he taught that happiness was to be found in the arts and scientists and certainly not in a right relationship with God. He said, I am abandoned by God and man. I will give you half of what I and worth if you will give me six months (coughs) of life to which his doctor replied that it couldn't be done and he said then i shall die and go to hell (coughs) beloved these were atheists sir thomas scott in 1878 he wrote over 200 books and pamphlets that attacked christianity He said, until this moment, I thought there was neither a God nor a hell. Now I know and feel that there is both, and I am doomed to perdition by the just judgment of the Almighty. Beloved, I wonder what will our last words be as we face death and all of eternity? Could we say, like the Apostle Paul, that I have fought the good fight? and I've kept the faith, and that he knows there's a crown of life before him. What's the going price for, soul? Beloved, it depends upon what the buyer considers the worth it to be, right? I was blessed to baptize a gentleman in his 80s in Kansas that had worked with horses literally all his life. He would spend 12 and 14 hours a day in the saddle. And he knew horses. And I asked him one day what made a horse worth a lot of money because they were horses in that area that they would give several thousands of dollars for. And he said, Marvin, at that moment, he said, the price of horse meat for dog food is about 32 cents a pound. He said, that's the worth of a horse. He said anything above that is what the buyer thinks is worth. What's the going price of a soul? Depends on what the buyer considers the worth to be. Beloved, if it's Satan, then he considers your soul very li- worth very little. If God, everything. As Mike just read to us a few minutes ago, we haven't been redeemed with perishable things. Like silver or gold from our feudal way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Let me share with you one more thing, brethren. It's called the birdcage. Paul Harvey talked about this on his radio program years ago. He said there's a Boston preacher, Dr. S.D. Gordon, placed a beat up, bent, rusty old birdcage on this pulpit when he told this story. He said an unkempt, unwashed, dirty little boy about 10 years old was coming up the alley swinging this old bird cage with several tiny little birds shivering on the floor of it. The compassionate Dr. Gordon asked the boy where he got the birds. He said, I trapped them. Dr. Gordon says that, what are you going to do with them birds, boy? And the boy said, I'm going to play with them. I'm going to taunt them, I'm going to tease them, I'm going to have fun with them. And the preacher says, sooner or later you'll get tired of them, and then what you going to do with them? He said, I have some cats at home. They're like birds. I'll feed them to my cats. Dr. Gordon said, son, how much do you want for the birds? The boy was surprised. He hesitated a minute and he said, mister, you don't want these birds? These are just plain old field birds. They have no talent. They don't sing. They don't look pretty. They're ugly. Why would you want these birds? And the preacher simply said, just tell me how much do you want? The grubby little boy thought about it for a minute. He saw an opportunity here, and he calculated, and he said, and this day was a big amount of money. He said $2. And to his surprise, Dr. Gordon reached into his pocket and handed the boy Two $1 bills. He handed the bird cage to the preacher and took off running lest he change his mind. And in a sheltered area between buildings, Dr. Gordon opened the bird cage, tapping on the sides of it. He encouraged the little birds one at a time to find their way through the little cage door and the flight of freedom he then tells his story to relate to that he said one time jesus goes before satan and he said what have you been doing devil and the devil said i've trapped a whole world full of people he said they're in my prison they're in my bird cage jesus said what then are you going to do with all these people in your cage and The devil said, I'm going to play with them. I'm going to tease them. I'm going to make them marry and divorce. I'm going to make them fight and kill each other. I'm going to teach them to throw bombs at one another. I'm going to have fun with them. And Jesus said, you can't have fun with them forever. When you get tired of that, then what are you going to do with them? And Satan said, I'm going to damn them. I'm going to curse them. They're no good anyway. I'm just going to kill them. I'm going to send them to hell. And Jesus says, how much do you want for them? And Satan says, you can't be serious. If I sell these humans to you, they'll just spit on you and they'll hate you and they'll hit you and they'll curse you and they'll beat you and they'll hammer nails in you and put you on a cross. They're no good. And Jesus simply said, how much? And Satan said, all of your tears and all of your blood. That's the price. And Jesus took the cage and paid the price and opened the door and set us free. Beloved, let me ask you this morning, seriously, are you still in the devil's birdcage? Are you imprisoned by him? Don't be. You don't have to be. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Nothing is worth it. Jesus paved the way where you can be free this morning. Be released from your prison of sin and sorrow and destruction. And be saved. Take advantage of that this morning while we stand and sing.